Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And joining me is someone whose app you've probably played with, even if it's not directly, then it's probably because your friends have sent you videos using a software or because there's a collection of avatars that were created using his software. Dima Schwetz is the co-founder of Reface. It's the AI video and photo generating company. You can take your photo and they'll give you these beautiful avatars or they will turn turn it into a music video or they'll change it in one way or the other. That's the idea here. Done phenomenally well. I invited him here to talk about how they did it. We could do it thanks to my sponsor, Lemon.io. Later on, I'll tell you why if you're hiring developers, you got to go check them out. Dima, give me a sense of numbers. How many people are using Reface? Andrew, thank you for having me. For now, Reface is being used by more than 270 million users worldwide. And since we launched the app in early 2020. And then how much revenue comes from that? I noticed when I used it, it's basically not useful until you pay. So what kind of revenue? It's freemium, so I couldn't disclose revenue numbers. So it's like a couple like of something. But generally, the app is freemium. So depending on the product, because Reface is not the only app we have, mostly you can use them most as a functionality of the product. But yeah, the core features and the core functionality and a lot of tools are available on this. So can you give me a ballpark about revenue? What are we talking about? Tens of millions, single millions? I'm not looking for ah, an exact accounting. I guess tens of millions. Tens of millions of dollars in revenue. That's phenomenal. Yeah. You know what? I wonder if maybe I fell for one of those splash screens that I tried to create a second or third video. And then I saw a thing that said $3.99 per week or I forget how much per year. And I said, all right, I'll do $3.99. And I signed up. And so I just assumed that I needed to pay, which is maybe one of the flows on your app. Yes. Yeah. So there are specific reasons. Usually we have a pretty sticky audience, a core audience, and they are mostly paying us subscription. And so most of the technology features we have are really cost heavy in terms of video to video and the latest feature you have seen in Reface and Restyle. So definitely we need to be sufficient in terms of what, what we're is doing as a business. What is the expense in this? Who, where's the expense in regenerating these videos? Different. So the technology underlined, which is basically was face swap, is pretty tough to do. And when we started, it was really scalable, conditional, and you need to always process all the videos through the service. So it definitely needs a computation on the side going to, for example, Google Cloud, and you need a lot of stuff going on to support it. So, but yeah. it's all, it's your software, you're yeah. not, it's your software, and you're just paying for heavy compute power in order to create these videos. Yeah, correct. Ah, and so that's why, for example, the avatar is going to take 45 minutes for me to get my avatar yeah, created correct. once I upload six of my photos. It's because it takes that long for the computer to process and you have a big backlog of people. What's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, you're correct, Andrew. For now, so I believe that our computation power and how we wrapped up technology is one of the most efficient and prominent. But in the meantime, it took plenty of time to process it, to prepare and to get it to the user. And we have the solid backlog of users that want it every day. So what's the long-term vision here with this? Is it that, yeah, what is the long-term vision? Because at some point it's cute to put my face on someone's music video, but after a little bit, the cuteness wears off. 
there's got to be a substantive mission that you started this business and built it up for. What is that? When we started the company in 2019, our vision always was to empower content creation using technologies. Yeah, and that's the vision and the mission. I believe it's like the mission that always helped us during our tough times. Yeah, and we want to empower everyone to create amazing content. That was the intention why I joined, started the company. My, why my co-founders did a lot of technologies before we face associated. What do you mean by content, content creation? You mean these fun type videos? It seems like you have a bigger vision in mind, more than just having Abraham Lincoln sing a song. It's something yeah, else. What is that? Yeah, yeah what is that I'll, vision? Our vision, not only regarding content, but generally is to build an outstanding generative AI company. Because what do you see now, Andrew, in the world of generative AI, text-to-video, text-to-image, text-to-text, video-to-video? Reefs and my co-founders and current co-CEOs, and vision even before when we started the company three years ago. So our base vision was, okay, if we can create the technology when everybody could literally be anyone by changing not only faces, but not only making them speak, but not only changing background to make different technologies work on based on your voice. Our intention was, guys, there is a huge avenue of people who are limited of creating content at that time because of the technology, because of the costs, because of your computation, because it's, it was really tough to get the technology working the way you want. You need to go to post-production studios at that time. You need to work with specific content creation studios to create the ads. For now, use a reface and a lot of prominent companies that are now booming in generative AI, you can do it on the fly. So what we started in 2019 as our vision that though you don't need to be Instagram star on to make your fancy photos doing some stuff. You can just take any piece of content and recreate it like Mona Lisa, yeah? If, for example, you go... I think the Mona Lisa part feels like a cute... I've seen it. It's amazing the first time. And then after that, you move on past it. It feels to me like what you're saying is if Andrew is a good cook, but does not want to be on camera because he doesn't have the camera work, the editing chops, or even maybe doesn't look pretty on camera, he shouldn't be held back by that. What he should be able to do is just go to one of Reface's apps, create it using somebody else's video that he manipulates using his own voice, etc. And then he's got his video. If Andrew wants to teach something based on an interview and doesn't want to go on camera, he gets a prettier, better looking person in a shot that he's looking for. That's the vision long term. But instead of starting with that, you said, let's start with something fun and viral. Am I understanding correct. the mission? That's yeah, the thing. correct. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for unpacking it because it was really tough at the beginning Yes. To make people use the technology in a such way that use now. Now people understand that you can recreate the content, you can change the voice, you can make ChatGPT stuff. But at that point of time, we need to create something so easy to use, uh, natural for a person, that in two clicks you can see the power of AI. Yeah. That was our evangelist mission at the point of time. I also get the sense that truthfully today, this technology is not where it anyone wants it to be. No one's watching this and going, hey, I am tricked by it. I feel like I'm watching Andrew really dance. No, there's more like, how did Andrew get to dance on top of this woman's body? And then there's an, right? And so you're leaning into the fact that the technology isn't ready yet. The audience isn't ready. So let's make it fun today and grow with the technology and with the audience's expectations. Okay, I, I see now where this is going. Considering that, 
you're on a right path. Finally, the world is catching up to you. The fact that you even have AI in your domain name means that people are in love. Why'd you walk away from the business? Oh, yeah. I, I guess it's the most questionable story answer. The main question I get all the time. For me, it's I talked a, a lot. So I definitely recommend. So a lot of people who actually writing a lot about that. I will tell my personal story. For example, Mochery, who is speaking a lot about mentorship and about the shift in the position. So my intention was that I'm Ukrainian. We did a story which was super and still super viral in a time where technology wasn't so popular and nobody even believed that it could happen so scale yeah. and viral. And we did our job. We gone through a lot of tough times and, and starting from going super viral, raising from ASICs and that, getting not solid retention, iterate on different product hypothesis technologies, going ups and downs, different strategy shifts, pivots. Then the war started, yeah? We didn't fire anybody as from the beginning of the war because of the shortages on layoffs. We optimized the business for profitability and multi-product strategy. And in some moment of time, I realized that for me personally, I want to revision how I live my life. I think I did a great job in terms of building a company of 200 people and solid results. And now it's solid operational multi-product strategy company. But in the meantime, I have a wife, I have a five-year-old kid. I have a lot of vision regarding, so what industries can be disrupted by AI in a good way? Because even starting this phase, we did a lot of actually navigating people through the power of AI, but still thinking about regulation. Let's, for example, what we do is not deep fake, yeah? It's face work. What we should do to make it properly, to make it for a good use. What is, what's about how we can guarantee that the technology somehow, from our perspective, will be done only for a good way, not in a bad way. So mm -hmm. all these questions I was asking myself during my life in terms of what's the next evolution of me as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a Ukrainian. That is why now I realized, okay, for now, Reface in a good, stable position, still continuing and pursuing our goal of empowering content creation. But in the meantime, I wanted to change my focus to family, to rest, regroup, restructure my thoughts and started thinking of other AI-related stories and endeavors that matter to me a lot. Like especially, what? What do you see? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in terms of what I envision to be really important in the current future world, like education, the future of education, the future of health, mental health, especially defense tech as well, mil tech as Ukrainian. So I believe that a lot of problems could be avoided. Not, I don't, I'm speaking about war of Ukraine, geopolitical shift, we're still in the process of it, yeah? Global yeah. geopolitical shift. Yep. But I believe that if we work a lot on the regulation, leveraging the AI, leveraging technologies, not being dependent from different natural resources, stuff like, it would be much easier and much proper to develop our world. And I think that education, healthcare, mental health, and, and defense tech for now is the industries that should be one of the most focused on current world. So you're going to pick one of those and focus on them? Yeah, I'm already advising, working a lot, making my researches, advising startups in that field. And yeah, 
I'm thinking with the about the idea that you'll eventually pick one area and then go focus on that. Correct. Correct. Okay. One area, but in the meantime, leveraging my experience in AI to help other areas to develop. Yeah. Because I believe one of my narratives in my life, what I believe is you can be like a midfielder on the soccer field. So you can have some, you can connect the right dots between investors and entrepreneurs, experts to make big things that matters. That's the story of what I envision, what I believe in, and what I try to execute. Okay. All right. I'm seeing what your vision is. Let's talk a little bit. My goal here for this interview was to find out how you built a brief face, but let's talk <laughs> a little bit about the vision for the future because I'm fascinated by this. When you think about education, you're touching on a topic that I've spent some, a lot of time, years of my life focusing on here. It's been entrepreneurial education, but I'm curious beyond that. How do you see AI being useful today? And then what do you think five years from now in education? What's the vision? My vision is that so we have different systems of education in different countries. Yeah. And education is definitely affected by religion, the governments, and a lot of obstacles and circumstances that exist in specific country or even ethnicity and geography. And my belief is that the future of education should be done on the basis, let's call it, of not national status. So I believe if we could create a system where people will be, let's call it like utopian, but we're thinking about the future, yeah? Where yeah. the system will be built not on the base of nationality or religion, or right. on the intersection of different participants that are representing a specific group of ethnicity, religion, nationality, in a specific way where is some decentralized body that controls how education is being done. I believe that we can spread the education across the globe, not depending. But that's like, like something that the internet could have done and has done. There's something about artificial yeah. intelligence that you think is going to change what we couldn't have done before could now be possible. What do you think? Yeah. How does AI play into that? I think that AI can significantly accelerate how it can evolve. For example, yeah, there's specific, it's called Two Sigma problem, yeah, where yeah. you can see that individual education is much more reliable and sufficient in the way how children, children, students are being educated and tutored. And that is why we have any like personal AI teacher, personal AI Einstein, or personal AI Newton, that definitely help you to make it much faster. What mm. I mean, I believe yeah. that natural studies, like physics, as a sub studies of physics as like mathematics and other like chemistry are super important for the understanding of the fundamentals of the world. And I see now that a lot of knowledge scientific breakthroughs are not coming to life because scientists are not being short. Kids are not being tutored and not being educated the way that they can understand the world, understand the basic, and then can grow and spread this world. All right, let me pause here. I think I want to make sure that I'm understanding you because I yeah. had this thought too. I've said for years now that if my son is fascinated by, say, by, say, gardening, his math should relate back to gardening. If he's fascinated by business, his math problem should be related to business. What if Johnny has 10 lemonade, 10 cups of lemonade, and he sells five, how many does he have left? What if he multiplies that by 30 days of the week? Mm -hmm. How much if he makes, right? If that's the modality that he has, let's increase mm -hmm. our, let's give him topics that relate to that. 
It's hard for a teacher to do that, but AI could customize it no problem. I'll give you even a better example. I learn languages not using repetition, but using mnemonics. And for years, I've been creating my own mnemonics for each, for each word that I'm trying to learn a different language. When I went to Brazil last week, I said to ChatGPT, you're my tutor. Give me 10 phrases that I need to know here in Brazil. And then once I liked it, I said, now give me mnemonics for each one. And then I adjusted the ones that I couldn't, that I couldn't remember. And then we got into a rhythm of mnemonics for each thing. You're talking like that, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, thank you for structuring it in a more practical way. And I agree. Yeah. So I'm speaking about that as at least at start. Yeah. Okay, then take it from there. So that's that to me is not a today's solution. The today's solution is someone using ChatGPT or a similar system to create something where you're basically teaching the teacher what to teach you. Yeah. What you're talking about is a year from now, maybe two years from now, no doubt we'll be able to walk in into a chat room that says, Andrew needs mnemonics. Andrew needs to know this next thing on the syllabus. We're going to combine his mnemonic need with the syllabus that someone at his stage needs. Talk to me about a little bit further in the future for education. What's possible? And yeah, I agree with you. And thank you for this example, Andrew. And one of the angles that are interesting for me as an assumption, even going earlier, for example, we're speaking about already school education. Let's teach math yeah, in this yes. specific way where a kid or a person is eager to develop a him or herself. But what about early education kids? who are fans like of different characters, movies, cartoons. What do you think there's a power of technology you can create specific characters that can engage people, can engage kids? So my perception that I have a daughter and so what I realized that you need to help your daughter to love something and to be curious, continue to expand the curiosity along the line. And if I understand that she likes Elsa, no, from Frozen, it's much easier for me to get her know numbers when right. Elsa is speaking to her. That's the evolution, that's the specific support with AI that can go alongside the way, not only from the school, but starting from three, four years till the university. And we should leverage the technology. And, but next, what I believe that if we make people and we, if we give people opportunity to get this fundamental knowledge in a more engagement, playful way, that means that we will have more scientists because I believe that world lacks real scientists. And there are a lot of guys whose ideas and breakthrough technologies are not coming to life because of different business environment, interpersonal stuff and communication, yep. which is usually <laughs> is a treat of a scientist. And I have a lot of friends, Ukrainians, not only Ukrainians in different universities and one of the company in like in defense tech which I really admire. They call it like necessity is a mother of innovation. Yeah. And those guys created the audio detection neural network because of the necessity in Ukraine. And they have a close community of scientists that joined their forces. And they call it asymmetric technologies. And if those guys wouldn't gather together because of necessity and the unique situation in the world, those technologies might not even see their life might not even be on board. So right. my intention, if we do it properly in terms of education from early days, and we create a system where Stanford's of the future will be developed across the globe, that, that means that we'll have a better future for our kids. Yeah, that is a vision like how we can. So then 
What do you imagine for scientific education? I think that it's already happening, but we should create like network effects for scientists. For my perception, as a professional in business or like in sales, we have LinkedIn, yeah. And those guys, you understand second, third tier connections, you can interact, experience, share your okay. knowledge, get a feedback. We should think how we can get those guys together in a way that is comfortable for them, where they can make breakthrough technologies and breakthrough scientifics come true faster. So the early part of the internet allowed scientists and academics to communicate with each other. And by communicating with each other, they helped each other learn more, teach better, and really they became smarter. Then more data goes online. They were able to, the people who came on the internet were able to tap into that. And all the way over to even gamification that allowed people to learn better because we were starting to learn game mechanics and what drove people and we used it to teach them. All that is good. The challenge with AI is where with all of those techniques that happened up until now, there was a lot more guardrails. With AI, it's really hard to predict how it's going to teach, especially if it's customizing infinitely. And so I think about kids, I don't think I would feel comfortable with a kid learning from Elsa that was AI generated if I couldn't see what Elsa was teaching and make sure that it's accurate. And how do you deal with the lack of accuracy, especially with kids and especially when technology requires a lot of experimentation? Definitely a great and reasonable assumption, Andrew. So I don't have an answer for now. What I can suggest and what we need to do. So we need to simultaneously work on the regulation and simultaneously work on the frameworks and the technology development. Like even Sam Altman speech in Senate, I think those Sam Altmans of the world should speak and work in Europe, in Asia, in Pacifics, across the globe to think what is relatively good and what is not. Because at that particular point, we couldn't foresee and forecast how it will develop. We'll definitely see what can be done good and what can be done bad. And the matter of the reasonable trade-off, socially, informationally, even commercially and regulationally, how it can be developed. That is why that is the specific issue. That is a challenge. But I see more, much more economic, social, not only economic, social and cultural upside it than downside. I still don't see how the path to experimentation can work and get us there. And what I'm imagining, I feel like you and I are different types of entrepreneurs and I want to learn from your approach because my approach is let's put out a minimum viable product. Let's have people experiment. Let's keep learning and innovating and let's keep testing. And with something like this, with education, I don't think people are willing to experiment to that degree, to the degree that even like I've been trying some AI podcast editing content, editing tools. They're fine. And when they make mistakes, nobody dies. Nobody ends up really in trouble. When it comes to mm -hmm. education, military and, and science, as you've talked about, there isn't that MVP approach. So how does Dima approach it? In my perception, I think it should be combined. So definitely like how we build the companies and how they're being built, like MVP approach for sure. But in the meantime, I think there is some challenges, especially, for example, in defense, where I started from, that in could, couldn't do just MVP. You should have a broader vision what the world would might be like. You should have allies. You should have 
specific frameworks which go beyond the MVP. For example, in Ukraine, Ukraine is a unique battlefield for now. Yeah. And the feedback loop on the innovation and the software is going super. But if we don't have exact strategy how the world might look like in five, 10 years, that will be extremely painful, possibly painful, and extremely stressful, for example, for Ukraine to live in this current situation. So my approach is, and definitely not a fan, but it's important part is MVP and prototyping how it works. But I'm more trying to think visionary and strategically what was done before, what is not done, and what is the intersection where we can, for example, education, yeah? We see the systems that's been developed. I know like the system of education, like in Ukraine, there's a specific system of education in UK. But I try to understand, okay, beyond the regulations, beyond the, where we are technologically, what might be the unite force for that education? What might be the amplifiers of education for kids in UK, in Ukraine, in and urban yeah. world? That is why I'm more like kind of approach, which is more like might be considered vague, yeah, and visionary, not so practical. But I try always to go zoom out, zoom in. And when I see that something triggers my mind and my data set and people who aligned with my vision, scientific, businessmen, regulators, I try to dig deeper and double down on this occasion. I see. So it's not like you have a systematic approach that says, first, we launch a, mi a minimum viable product, then we put it in the market, then we improve. It's more, I'm going to keep my vision out there. I'm going to keep talking about where we need to be and what the ideal perfect world is, not mess around with the in-between where we are now and there. And then I'll see who gravitate towards me, who's done this or who can build it or who has better ideas. And then you're just going to keep pursuing what works and pursuing what's exciting and pursuing what gets you closer to a vision that matters. And the mechanics of how you do it are not as important as, is the vision clear? Are you drawing the right people in? I see you're trying to interrupt in between, which tells me that I'm getting it a little bit off. So correct me where I'm off. Yeah, like you got the main point for me now. Maybe the state of my mind for now, the state of my situation, I try to focus on who and why, right. and then only on what. That's, so I did specific businesses before. I did VC before ReFace and ReFace. So it's all about iterating. Yeah, iterating and testing a lot of hypothesis, user testing, different apps. But after that, I now change my perception and my strategy of life to the point like why, who, and then what. All right. So let's see how you did this before. In fact, before we get into Reface, I want to tell you my sponsor is Lemon.io. They're actually a they're Ukrainian company also. And for a long time, Dima, I was saying to people that this Ukrainian founder built up this phenomenal business where he was matching business people who are looking for developers with developers from Ukraine. That's Lemon.io slash Mixergy if you're looking. I might as well get credit for saying yeah, it yeah. over. I see that you're going over. Phenomenal entrepreneur. He kept talking about how his goal was to hit a million dollars and he talked publicly about how he was getting it and then five million and so on. And then the war happened and the whole thing got derailed. And he said, okay, I'm going to keep paying for my people while I figure out how we can build a business. We can't get developers from Ukraine. So he started looking for other places where they're phenomenal developers who are not as highly paid as they are in Western countries like the US. Anyway, I talked about that. And then Dima, what the reason I've stopped is a lot of the feedback I had to that ad was related to Ukraine and not to the fact that he has this phenomenal service and that he's got a good team of people and he can match people with developers who are 
in artificial intelligence or blockchain or anything. And so I've stepped off of that. So what I'm going to do is I'll come back to you and ask you about Ukraine in a bit because I can see you brought it up a bit because it matters to you. What I'll say to my audience is what matters to you is you want great developers at a great price by a company that will match you up like a perfect matchmaker and ensure that you have success. Go to not just lemon.io, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy because if you do, you're going to get a bigger discount than other people do. That's what, and frankly, I'll get credit for it. It's phenomenal because the guy, the fact that he's so freaking resilient in the face of war, in the face of all these problems, that he can keep his business going and growing means that he's going to find, he's going to find my audience a great match. Go really get developers from lemon.io slash Mixergy. All right, Dima, I want to see how you work in with a practical example. Reface, what were you doing just before Reface? I was doing venture capital. I was doing investment in early stage startups, starting from 2014, mostly in Ukraine, mostly seed stage. Yeah, that's how I was approaching tech ecosystem from now. Through where? I'm looking through your LinkedIn. I don't see that. Which of these programs were you with? It was a fund, IGVC. So if you can see my... What was the name of the fund? Uh, IGVC. IGVC. Okay. All right. So it was through IGVC. And then what made you say, I need to go out and start a business? It was always my vision. I'd call it that. I always had a feeling that I need to join the bright side of the moon, I was called. So I spoke to a lot of entrepreneurs. The market was still emerging and evolving. It was still premature compared to, yes, to the Western world. But there are a lot of tech great minds engineers in Ukraine that started building products of the outsource. Yeah. We have a solid outsource, outstaff industry right. out from Ukraine. And a lot of people started earning a lot of money, making exit and starting to build products. And I think this boom was starting from 2014, 15, when I actually started to do a venture investment. At that point of time, I always realized that, okay, I'm speaking to entrepreneurs. I have a management consultant, investment banking background, but it's not still enough. I'm, to be honest, missing operational experience building tech business. Okay. So I was always thinking, okay, what is the story I would like to join full time and somehow to sacrifice the life of venture capital guy? And I realized that I'm not going to do some marketplace e-commerce with all the respect because it's super tough then to scale it from Ukraine to the Western world to US, for example, as a main market. I was always obsessed by deep tech and I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to join startup or build a startup, it will definitely be a deep tech company because I will definitely have some competitive edge. Let's call it like competitive mode, even compared to US. So we'll have at least like six months or so What's advantage to build. At that point of time, I was looking for technologies that are tough to build and replicate most neural networks and AI, artificial intelligence. For now, everybody, it's like a bus. I've been following AI for five months as Gen Z, we see Starter Pack. But first, my touch with AI was when I met my current co-founder, Oles, who is a CTO. When they were building, not even reface, they were doing 2D to 3D conversion of films. So you mm -hmm. know that films are usually even now done, like you need 600 people to make some Marvel movie to be converted from 2D to 3D semi-manually. Okay. And they came with an engine that gives her opportunity to do it. And I started speaking with them. I was really inspired by what guys were developing. 
And it was like, I guess, 2018, even 2017. So I started to investigate those guys using GANs, generative adversarial networks. It was the newest technology of training neural networks, which appeared in 2014. And I started to dig in deeper in the space. And then guys started speaking, okay, we're thinking about the new technology. Yeah. And that's how Reface was born because the guys were doing the tech, which gave an opportunity to face swapping in pictures. And the technology was not so prominent, even close to what we had. But there was one interesting point when they launched the app on photos. Elon Musk, he used it and he face swapped himself with Dwayne Rock Johnson. And that was the moment of not glory, but the probability and the moment of understanding that we are doing something right. When he used Reface, so by then Reface was already up. Take me back again to the beginning. You're saying you didn't have a theory of where the market was or what product you needed. You just said, I want to see what technology is exciting. And this team was doing exciting technology by taking standard 2D movies, making them 3D. And you said, I don't know where this is going, but if they could pull this off, I know there's going to be a market for it. And they're smart enough that I want to watch them and participate in their growth. That's correct. Yeah, It's and not even, the, I see a problem in the market, I need to solve yeah, it. It's, I right. see smart people who are working on smart things and I think they could do it. I want to be a part of that. Correct. And what is super interesting, Andrew, you definitely got the point, that 2D to 3D conversion didn't go anywhere. But right. that was the beginning why them reface appeared and being okay, born. But still, let me stick with this moment in your time, in your life, because... What were yep. you offering them? So they had a team of people who could build this technology. You weren't going to sit there and code with them. What was the part that you were going to play? I was a guy who were mostly focused on investments and understanding the world of investors and the entrepreneurs from different standpoints. And second, the main hypothesis for technology was doing it B2B and selling API. So our main assumption at that point and the guy's assumption, or Dima, could you please join us and help us to build B2B and to build the product on B2B and to build the, and to build the funnel? And I was, my approach was, okay, you're totally right, Andrew. There was no problem, specific problem at that point. Yeah, we had this vision. Yeah, it was a good vitamin I, but at that point, there was no specific market on that. But we had the technology that was scalable and conditional. So at, even at that point, we could process millions of Facebooks per hour. So I started to iterate. I started speaking to streaming services, gaming companies, marketing agencies, different kind of businesses, and to start thinking how we can make technology being a product on API basis and on subscription basis and to mostly guide to recurring revenue for them. So you were talking to them and it didn't work out, was it because the customers weren't ready to buy it or because the technology wasn't up to the level that they needed at these streaming services and other potential customers? I think not first, not second, but second suggestion. So we did some contracts on a recurring basis. This, those contracts helped us a lot later when we got consumer on the partnership side. We did uh -huh. partnership with gaming companies, with streaming companies, with different marketing agencies. And a lot of these connections with such and different marketing agencies helped out them to make a lot of prominent partnerships. But at that point of time, Facebook was viral, but not 
recurring use case. So you used it. It has definitely blown your mind. It was viral. But after that, it was tough to get people to use it on a professional and recurring okay. basis. But then how do you get from we are going to change movies from flat 2D movie experiences to full 3D experiences? How do you go from that to face swap as an app that Elon Musk can use? Why even go to that? There seems like there was something that the market or your development was telling you wasn't right and you needed to pivot. Once again, 2D to 3D wasn't the basis of preface. It was the technology how I got connected to guys. So yes. it wasn't, yeah. And the guys closed this technology because they didn't find use case and on a significant technology level to get this product off the ground. So you're correct. Because so it seems like it's, if the technology was a lot better, the market would be open to it. But yep. they weren't. They don't want something that's experimental. It has to be yeah. so amazing that no one in the audience could tell the difference. Got it. And so then when they had this technology, how did they, and I guess you at the time, think through where else could you apply what you already have? What was the process of going from this tech isn't working for streaming services? Where else could we find a customer base for it? For face swap, you mean, yeah? Yeah. Like where else could you find... What was the pivot like? How did you come up with this new approach that ended up working? When I joined the company, it was only face swap technology. So it was face swap technology that was scalable, conditional, but didn't have any clients. And okay. my bet was And you were going to go do B2B? B2B was not working? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't working before I came. Okay. I believe that there is a high probability that it doesn't work because the market isn't there. The technology is not sophisticated. But I believe if it works, it might be massive. Got it. So I got this binary approach, sometimes as usually, and went exploring. So I started getting feedback from a lot of friends in streaming, Kevin Lee, like gaming companies, even in China, like marketing agencies, and telling guys, you have an interface, you can use it for specific uh, marketing promotions. We give you the engine. We are not making it for you on the clients and some service basis. We have a technology. You can create all the campaigns for your clients by your own. So let's do it. But at that point of time, I believe that the timing, which is crucial, go to market on the B2B side wasn't there. So the technology was already great, but it was only Facebook. And my perception that we already were going to the point where we can make it recurring. What I mean, that a mm -hmm. lot of people, I call it now digital mammalia. So mm -hmm. my intention, what is going now with companies who create creative campaigns for the businesses using AI, the same with us, but we had only face swap at that point of time. And we thought, okay, okay. all the social media managers, all the marketing creative campaigns are done by just a lot of work of manual work of marketers. What if you can be like digital mammalia? So someone who creates memes with the help of face swap, AI background, uh, and use it as a one of the metrics, how yeah. performer marketing and marketing has been measured. And we already started to kick it off. But to be honest, at that point of time, it was, yeah, it was really nice, interesting business, but it didn't work on the scale as it suggested. But another because part the of the Because the technology story, wasn't there? Because the technology and the use case of the technology wasn't so repeated. 
So it was nice. It was novel, but still not enough. They, like the like instruments, yeah, the instruments that you use it for combining, like you see now, for for example, in Runway ML, mm-hmm. wasn't technological at that point. So we did face warp unique first of the kind, but it was not enough for the instruments that needed for the businesses to create campaign. Okay, got it. So then you start doing this for consumers. Consumers are more forgiving. They're also much more sharing. The first consumer app you did, did how? What was the reaction? The first consumer app was called Duplicate, and we thought mm-hmm. it was a great name for yes markets, but not. Yeah. Uh, it was Duplicate, and so, okay, it's double, you're doing double, no. And we were able to rephrase what the company name is. And by the, okay. But there was a crucial moment in our history when we launched Reface app on videos in, yes, the aha moment started in June. It was the state of mind when we finalized the latest video technology. And second, okay. we created the short form of content, which were called promos. And in our business, like in consumer internet, formal content is crucial for virality and organic growth. Because so many consumer companies then experiment with a form of content. And what we created mm-hmm. with these promos and different ones filmed by ourselves, not only ourselves, was crucial with a combination of technology to go viral. We grew from 10K DAU, daily active users, to about two and a half million, like in two and a half months. What is this, uh, these promos? I've been using the app. I don't know if I understand which of the different content types is a promo. Uh, I think what you see, all the form of content that you see reface currently, it's a promo alongside avatars because avatars appeared like not long ago. So the promos are these little short form videos where maybe there's a up woman running, seconds. walking down the runway up to 10 seconds. I get to take her face off and replace it with mine. And then maybe I, once I have that, I want to share it with someone by iMessage or other social media tools. Correct. That was the first use case. Either to okay. share on social media or through your messengers and direct communication for the last one, for example. Okay. And then the next one, what was the next big use case? Uh, the next big use case was then you can not only face swap your image, that we that you can uh, reenact this image. Um, for example, you cannot only take the existing video or film video face swap. You can take the photos and to make it speak. Then Got you it. can not only make it speak, you can make it speak what you want. Not what only what you want, but with the face you want. And now right. this like specific question, but what if everything in this world will be like black mirror? But no, that is the stuff what we did a lot with different regulation. NSFW detectors is like detectors we have in mind and a lot of policies. And we did this job, to be honest, like for almost three years to persuade and to show the audience, the regulators, the businesses across that reface is about content creation, entertainment way, not, not in another fake. way that can not deep fake. And, and the way that people know that it's point. not deep fake is that you've got a watermark in it so that yeah. it can be detected. It's like a printer where if I try to copy something that I'm not supposed to like money, they could trace it back to the printer that I used. It's that kind of a thing that you put in there. Correct. Yeah. So we had the most obvious part of identification watermark, which you can see everywhere. Another point, we developed a lot of tech, which is not being released, but still in place is like invisible digital watermark is footprint huh? that can be identified. And for example, if person does some bad stuff, 
it can be identified. And when you know that you might going to be caught, and even if the system somehow goes you in, anyway, there is some probability that you might be somehow tracked for that point. Okay. And then the virality comes from, I guess there's a watermark if somebody uses the free version. And when people use the free version and post it publicly, that's how you get your following. Am I understanding that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a basic mechanic. So you see the yep. watermark and that's how it's gone. So it's gone super organic and viral in the first days. All right. So tell me what happened during the war for... I could see that the Ukrainian situation is really important to you. I think a lot of people would have said, I've got it. It's painful. It stinks. I'm going to complain about it and move on. For you, it's even more painful and you're not moving on. What happened when the war started? So when the war started, I think Reface, the company was prepared for that. So even before the war, we had a lot of U.S. investors and most of our audience and user base and the business in US and UK, Germany, France. That's why we have a lot of, let's call it business contingency plans and in place. So it didn't affect our business massively, but it definitely affected the people, them, their emotions and their relatives. But what, what, what is kind great? of, what kind of backups did you have? Did you have employees outside of the country? Did you have a way of yeah, getting your team sure. out? You did both of yeah, those. So if well, everyone in the country had to go to war, you had other people outside of the country who were prepared to take over. Correct. Wouldn't have been the same, but it would have continued. Got it. But at the same time, you have employees whose lives are being impacted by this, whose families are being impacted. Sorry, Correct. take it from there. Yeah. And in the meantime, so like we helped a lot. We even launched Reface Fund, which was humanitarian funds. We supported different funds, which are global. We have Ashton Kutcher, who's an investor who helped a lot and gathered some funds with me, like different guys, different intentions. We sent about 15 million push notifications to Russian audience in first two weeks to tell them the truth, to give them access to trustworthy media, but it didn't help. It didn't help, to be honest. So we closed operations and we closed okay. this opportunity in Russia. And alongside, one of our co-founders came with a proposal upfront to rent some hotels, full autonomy in the western part of Ukraine in case of blackouts. So even six months before that, October's blackouts, we already rented hotels with Starlinks and autonomy different systems. Wow. Okay. Investor Ukraine to get people yeah. out in case it, it goes bad. And it definitely helped a lot. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of initiatives, a lot of refations, we call refaced people refations. Even now I'm stepped down from my position, but I'm still refations. And yeah. we have a unique DNA. Those guys make consumer entertainment apps. To make fun, in the meantime, being like in bomb shelters and being affected wow. by yeah. missiles every day. That is why that like real heroes. And I think that's the DNA of Ukraine. Like just finished, like speaking about that topic, I believe that Ukraine are those guys who horizontally, it's have horizontal grassroots initiatives that uniquely combined in the ways of the common enemy. So when we understand that something is unfair, that we are going to be affected or relatives will be affected. That's the main intention and DNA of Ukrainians as a freedom and to be fair enough to defend our life and our will to be independent and to believe in normal life. And now you are so you, you are so committed to helping that you're thinking about doing what now that you're not 
in Reface on a daily basis? I'm still advisor to yep. two co-CEOs. So we, uh, I'm helping them to, with different strategies, standpoints, and the different productions and thinking of what's next, what's the next uh, evolution of the company. Yeah. But I believe that one of my intentions and roles will be the intersection of Ukrainians and the Western world. Because it happens that I have approach and access to a lot of investors, great people from US, UK, Europe. And that happens that when war started to replace one of, one of the companies that supported a lot informationally and technologically, and we have different interconnections in that. So I believe that I'll definitely will support different DOD military tech projects, different initiatives related to rebuilding Ukraine. And that is the point where I see a lot of inner will to do. All right. And so if I'm going to just take away a message from what I learned from you, it is to have big ideas, look for people who are executing well, and then go partner up with them without necessarily for you finding a problem that needs to be solved or being married to a specific approach. It's more like I have a vision, who out there can execute on in this world towards this vision? I'm going to partner with them. Andrew, correct. Just small example, yeah, like yeah. military projects I'm supporting now. Those guys had, didn't have a clear path or MVP or just understanding that it's going to be a business. There is a necessity from generals from Ukraine, guys, we need help of this audio detection system. They did it, they need some specific introduction strategy. And it was super complicated. If they were just thinking, oh, what about MVP going step by step? It wouldn't right. even happen. But when they just executed, asked me, other guys helped it. And now everybody just speaking, okay, guys, it wouldn't, it couldn't happen. There are so many restrictions, regulations. It couldn't be true, but it happened. So yeah, I think for now, my approach is probably. Thanks so much for doing this. And thank you to lemon.io slash Mixergy for sponsoring. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank, thank you so much.